Today's episode of the Theater People podcast is brought to you by TodayTix, the app for last-minute theater tickets. Download the app in Google Play or the App Store and use the code THEATERPEOPLE at checkout to save 20 bucks on your first purchase. That code again is THEATERPEOPLE, which of course is theater with an E-R-P-P-L. Hey, theater people, Patrick here. So exciting news, you guys. We are doing a live show in September. The guest for the show is my good friend, the youngest female Tony Award winner, Daisy Egan. As many of you know, Daisy won her Tony Award for originating the role of Mary Lennox in The Secret Garden back in 1991. What you might not know is that Daisy is going back into the show in the role of Martha. You know, the maid who teaches Mary about, like, joy and sings that amazing song, Hold On. The show is going to D.C. in October and then the Fifth Avenue Theater in Seattle. No promises, but the show has an eye on Broadway and we all have our fingers crossed. So for our live show, we're going to get the whole story. How Daisy was cast in the original production, how it was to win the Tony Award, and what it was like in general to be a child star. And then we'll talk a bit about this new production, what she's excited about and nervous about. And then we'll end the show with Daisy singing a couple of songs accompanied by our musical director, Drew Wootke, who I have a huge crush on. The show is happening on Sunday, September 19th in the Cabaret Theater at the Duplex in the West Village. Tickets are $12 and there's a two-drink minimum. The show is 21+, plus. however, they will let people 18 and over in as long as we let them know at least five days ahead of time. So if you're under 21 and you want to go to the show, just shoot me an email and you can find that link on our website. All the info and the link to buy tickets is also on our website, which is theaterpeople.com. That's theater with an E-R-P-P-L dot com. Okay, now to the show. Like a feeling of fullness, like the knowing of quiet fortitude of ancient heroes, it was something I trusted somehow. Welcome to the Theater People Podcast. I'm Patrick Hines, your host. So today's guest, Jose Lana, is one of those actors I've always wanted to have on the podcast. He has such a great resume, you guys. He made his Broadway debut in that amazing 1996 production of The King and I, and then, among other things, was cast alongside Leah Salonga in Flower Drum Song before going into the original Broadway production of Spelling Bee. He also did that incredible off-Broadway Here Lies Love at the Public that everybody loved before going back to The King and I, this time as The King. Oh, and he has a new album called Altitude from Yellow Sound Label, and we'll be playing some of that music throughout this episode. He was so great to interview because he had great stories and opinions. Anyway, he's super smart and handsome, and yes, I know I say that about everyone, but it really is true in this case. He was an absolute ball to chat with. It was one of those times where I was like, um, can we be actual friends now? I'm still not friends with Jose Lana, you guys. Anyway, let's get to it. Here's our conversation. Hi, Jose Lana. Hi. Welcome to the Theater People Podcast. Thanks for having me. So nice to meet you. I feel like we know a lot of the same people. Yes. And I'm always like, I've never have gotten to meet that guy. I love uh, Robbie on on Facebook today. You're going to love each other. And then he texted me. He's like, (laughs) you're going to love him. He's amazing. (laughs) Robbie Roselle designed your album artwork. Yes, he did a fantastic job. That kid is just like constantly... And he has a thousand albums out there that I'm like, oh my god, that's amazing! That's I know. Beautiful. I always love yeah. when he designs something for the public because it's always like perfect. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Hi, welcome to the show. Thank you. So let's start with your album. You have a okay. new album called Altitude. Yes. Tell us all about it. So you've been working on this 
you've been working on the thing that became the album for a long time. Yes, for about a year now. Like uh, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, um, Lincoln Center asked me to do a concert for the Songbook series, uh, American Songbook series, and it was a huge honor. And I put together this beautiful evening of music with my musical director Kim Grigsby, and uh, it was awesome. It was a great night, and it was sort of forced me to be like, what what would uh, an evening of of my career be? And it was amazingly profound and and a lot of fun. And then uh, Yellow Sound label approached me and said, let's, let's put this concert on onto an album. And so we picked the best 13, well, the best 10 songs, and we added three songs on top of that. Um, and it got a little delayed because uh, I got asked to step into The King and I. Yes. Right when we were about to go into the recording studio. And so we just sort of pushed everything back by about six months uh, to let me focus on The King and I. Wow. Yeah. And then The King and I became part of the story of the album. So yeah. Like, so then I put the puzzlement on there. Well, right. And we'll get to that yeah. in a minute. But you have a really fascinating history with The King and I. I do. It was my first Broadway show. Right. So I was a freshman in college when I booked the 96 revival of The King and I. Right, right, right. Yeah. All right. Let's get to that in one second. Okay, I want to okay, talk okay. a little bit more about the album. Um, the name Altitude for the, yes. al- for the album comes from the, a- the Adam Gettle song, yes. Saturn Returns. Saturn Returns. And also, specifically, Icarus. Icarus. Fly beneath me shaded from the Will you tell us why you picked that word? Well, you know, I was looking for a title of the, for the album, and I wanted, I wanted a single word, and I wanted sort of, sort of the to relay the imagery that I thought kind of represented what it was like. I mean, my career and, and kind of the beginning of the career, which is what I'm thinking this album is kind of encapsulates. It's kind of the beginning of it, and Icarus has always been kind of. Uh, like in the lyrics of it and the story of Icarus as, as the boy that flew a little too close to the sun, mm-hmm. uh, the way that most parents tell their kids don't pursue acting and don't pursue theater. <laughs> right. um, and that's how I always saw Icarus as this kind of like brash, very kind of like slightly uh, not arrogant, but just very just he wants to he wants the world and he wants to see the world. And I think that's the kind of energy any actor has to come to New York with. And uh, I've always sort of felt Icarus was kind of a kindred spirit. And yeah. so I like the I like the lyrics of, of Icarus. And unlimited altitude was initially going to be the title, but altitude was what stuck. I love it. I mean, I guess I guess we should. Just, it, it's a nice segue into your coming to New York because mm-hmm. if if I am understanding your story correctly, your you your parents were encouraging, but only uh, to a certain extent. Like right, they gave you like a window of time to make something happen. A very small window. Yeah, and as as most I think good parents do is that they they let me kind of spread my wings but they they knew that there there wasn't they weren't going to let me do it without any with 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 a with a safety net all the time yeah. basically they wanted me to grow up and they wanted me to if I really wanted to pursue it then I wasn't necessarily going to be supported by them financially if I was going to go do it on my right. own so um I think uh it was a great deal my mom and I had my parents and I had um I was going to go to engineering school in two years if if it didn't work out I just um, love that you're so smart that that's a fallback that like <laughs> I'm either going to be a really successful actor or a genius engineer well you know in, in my family the genius engineer is my sister my older sister oh yeah yeah she uh she did everything right she mm-hmm. went to Cooper Union and on full scholarship and then she went to MIT oh wow and so she's a mechanical engineer and she's a rock star um and but because of her because she's the older sister she kind of uh satisfied that need with my parents and they let me be the younger artsy brother <laughs> um, and I will always thank my sister for that. And so we had a, we had a plan. We had a deal: two years in New York, 
um, if if it didn't work out, which is why I knew that I needed to start kind of sneaking out of school and auditioning if I wanted to try to make something happen. Wait, because what would that have looked like for your parents had it not been this amazing Broadway gig that you got? Who knows? Yeah. Right? I mean, I was actually already set to transfer to the Royal College of Music because Manhattan School of Music wasn't necessarily the best fit for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wanted to see London. So Mm -hmm. I thought, so I applied to to transfer and I was going to transfer to London um, and then the King and I happened my freshman year in college. Yeah. So, okay. So let's talk about this. How yeah. long had you been in New York before you went on that? Oh, it was an open call if I'm not mistaken. Right? Um, it would, no, technically it was an EPA. It, oh. was, it was here. And that's the, and that's half the story. I was actually in, I spent most of the school year in, in, in Manhattan school. I went on a couple of really terrible open calls, um, dance calls. Cause they were the only ones I knew to go to. I uh-huh. went to this, I embarrassed myself at, at a damn Yankees dance call and at how to succeed in business dance call. <laughs> And I, I swear there are people who, like, remember me from, as that awkward, like, 18-year-old at this horrible dance call. Um, but uh, my spring break of freshman year, I, was, I had booked my first uh, summer stock job, the King and I, at the Mill Mountain Playhouse. Oh, wow. So I was going to do Lunta at the Mill Mountain Playhouse that summer, non-equity. And uh, at that audition, one of the, my new friends that I made, and I was trying to make friends left and right, new, like actor friends, ooh, actors, <laughs> uh, he said, well, you're going to audition for the Broadway production. And I'm like, I hadn't heard about this. And I hadn't picked up my backstage magazine yet, which, which was not online yet at that time. Um, and so I heard rumor that if you didn't want to go to an open call, you could go to an EPA equity principal audition and wait all day and they would see people at the end of the day. Uh, like if you had your equity card already. Or, or not. Oh, so you didn't not have equity card. No, I was completely, oh. you know, my resume had like my name on it and my pager number on it. That's pretty <laughs> much it, you know. And so I, I, I kind of thought, you know, why not? Let's do this. And so I, I skipped class and I went in the morning and I waited. with a, I packed the lunch. And then around lunchtime, someone, they called someone's name, Robert. I remember his name was Robert something. And no one was there, so I raised my hand and I walked in the room, and the guy behind the behind the counter, who was an associate of Jay Binder, it was just a pre 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 screening. He's like, "Do you know the songs from the show?" And I'm like, "Yes, I do." I sang "I Have Dreamed," and he's like, "You're going to be getting a, a callback." Oh my god! And, and I looked at him like, "Sir, that's not my resume." And he flips over to the to the headshot. He's like, "Well, no, I guess that's not you." <laughs> I start crying. I'm like freaking out i'm thinking i'm gonna get arrested for the record i live in fear of getting in trouble yeah so I'm, i totally I'm like the know mis- what you're talking about totally my parents raised me to be a rule follower me and too. don't get in trouble with your teachers mm-hmm. and i thought i was going to be blacklisted i'm never going to work again or never going to get work never, never going to work period I, i'd never even gotten a job yet and um he he said give me your headshot and resume and at that point i had this really horrible headshot um and that was spring break, and they called me back all summer. And uh, wow. they actually called me back a lot, kept pairing me up with girls. And um, midway through the summer, Jay Bender called me into his office over near the West Side Highway, and he was like, you have a job. Not whether you're in the ensemble, the understudy, or the part. We're going to go away for a couple of months and audition around the country and around the world. We'll be back in August. We're going to send you to Joan later. Uh-huh. Now, John Later, who is the new Tony winner this year, a voice, uh, voice teacher, uh, they sent me to her and paid for voice lessons for me with her for about two months. Wow. Uh, and they wanted her approval of whether or not I, this, this 18-year-old who clearly was, you know, had a lot of talent but didn't really know what he was doing um, could do eight shows a week. 
And after going to Joan for two months, and it kind of really taught me how to sing and taught me how to speak, first of all, um, she signed off, and that's how I got my first job on Broadway. When did you find out that you got the actual part? I I was leaving. I can tell you exactly when I found, when I found out. I was leaving uh, on 54th Street. What are those rehe- What are those rehearsal studios on 54th? Oh, right um, next to? I know what you're talking about. Right, it's on like the 13th. 12th it's floor. where we did our Beth Malone interview. And I yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so I was leaving there, and um, Shetler Studios. Shetler, yeah. Right? And so I get um, I. I I go around the corner to in front of the in front of uh, Dave Letterman's studios, and I've, as all actors did, and, that, and then I needed to check my service, my voicemail, because I didn't have cell oh, phones. Oh, right, right, right. What year was this? Ninety six, ninety five, five. I walk around to the to the payphones in front of the David Letterman studios, and I call my voicemail, and it clicks, and it's David Binder. Because I, I didn't have an agent at this point, so oh I was getting God. all these phone calls directly from Jay Binder's office. And Jay Bender says, hey, hey, Jose, it's Jay. I need you to call my office as soon as you can. And so I hang up the phone and I call his office and I find out on that street corner. He's like, what are you doing in November? At that point, the rehearsals are going to start in November. And I'm like, I don't know, Jay. What am I going to do in November? <laughs> Stop being coy, Jay. And he's like, oh, we'd like you to, I think there, we'd like you to play Lunta in our, in our revival of The King and I. Oh, my, I could literally and stop. And I'm screaming on the street. And, 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 I, and I didn't have enough quarters to call everybody. So I, <laughs> I, like, it was the worst subway ride in my life. At that point, I was living on Astor Place. And so I got on the subway, got home. And as soon as I got home, I called my parents. I called my sister. I called my best friend. Oh. So that was uh, the fall of two thousand. Oh, sorry, nineteen ninety-five, and then they they delayed uh, production because Lou Diamond Phillips was filming a movie. So we didn't start rehearsal until the February, right? The following February, and that so so okay. So that that must have been a life changing experience. Oh my god, the most life changing thing in the world. I was I was when I booked the job. I was I just turned eighteen, and did you drop out of school? Um. Yeah, well, I tried to. Uh, I tried. What do you call it when you? Oh, defer. I tried to defer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and wrote the Royal College. I got you. Anyone Thanks, you man. Need, you let me know. <laughs> and the Royal College of Music wrote this beautiful letter, which my mom actually has kept, which is hilarious. Where they denied my deferral. They did. And they were like, uh, "Clearly, you're doing something right. Uh, we don't think you should turn this opportunity down. Uh, if you do decide to come back and reapply, we will happily ha- let you reapply. But we would love to keep your." Sp- take your spot for somebody else who doesn't have a year on Broadway to look forward to. Um, and it was a very, very kind letter. And so, um, yeah, so I dropped out of school back with every intention to go back. You know, I, I, my mom and my dad, God bless them, are, I've always been kind of like my realistic, kind of like keeping it real parents. They're like, this is a great show. You're, it's perfect casting. You're exactly what they were looking for. There aren't going to be that many King and I's. Yeah. And so, I mean, it was a little bit of a damper on the celebratory. I got my first Broadway yeah, show. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm glad they had that. And I think every kid and every person who they, starts working what, has What that. did they mean when they said that? They meant that, you know, as that there was, they wanted to reinforce that there was a little bit of luck involved. Uh-huh. That I was exactly the right age and type and voice for what they were looking for in a Broadway show that was coming back at that year. And that... Uh, King and I's were not going to happen every year, and Miss Saigon's weren't going to happen every year. And, and and you have to say this was twenty years ago, so it was slightly like you're an Asian actor, and yes. there is a part for an Asian actor that is you right now, yeah, right. And and I think my my parents always, and even to this day, you know, twenty years later, like they're always looking out for how how is Jose going to support himself beyond God. That know, is so because you know, Flower Drum Song happened for you at exactly the right time in right. in the world as well. Yeah, and Spelling Bee was kind of like the right place and right time. Yeah, and, and I think that's just what. But I think like when I when I coach young students now in, in these theater camps that I teach in 
you, that's that's the parent's role. You yeah. need the parent to be okay. You're talented. We think you're talented, but you need to make sure that you know that this is a hard life if you're if you're going to try to support yourself. You know, and so can I, I ask maybe that. a sensitive question? Sure. I mean, is it is there any thought that like were your parents saying to you like you're not going to get cast in non Asian roles? So mm-hmm. be grateful. And there was a part of that. that, that there, of course, there's a part of that. You know, and yeah. I think. And thank God that in the 20 years that I've worked, and I'd love it if, if, if our conversation did continue with a non-traditional casting uh, conversation, but yeah. there, has been, there have been so many more opportunities for someone who looks like me in the past 20 years than there were in the, in the 20 years prior. Absolutely. Like when I moved to New York in 1994 and I started going to auditions, being typed out purely because I was Asian American was half more than half the time and I, and accepted and completely accepted oh my god like i would literally and and now they're a lot more pc about what they how how they say it uh-huh but back then they literally would come into the room and say okay anyone we're not looking for asians today we're not looking for black people today oh my and, and god. you just got used to hearing that you know and even though the, the the notices say all types are welcome to apply and then you get typed out right the second you you walk in the door you know, you're too tall, you're too short, you're not white. You know, it's like it, and they can't say you're not white, but they'll say, right. they'll literally tap you, go, they'll, they'll go around the room and they'll tap all the, they'll tap 30 out of like the 80 people there. And oh, lo and behold, the vast majority of those 30 people are either African American, uh-huh. Asian American, or Latino. Not American. Were you invested in the conversation that was happening this year with Hamilton? Completely. The whole thing I actually got in, I got in, into a lot of <laughs> social media arguments. Did about you it, actually? Yeah. Tell me everything. What are your feelings about it? I mean, I think. Um, I mean, Ham- that that ex- that whole kerfuffle. Yeah, I love using that word. Um, <laughs> that kerfuffle um, was about wording. It was about wording in the audition notice. You can't ex- you you uh, with legality. And first of all, that 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 lawyer that made the whole thing right. happen. I'm like, let's maybe rolling my back eyes. it up and tell people exactly yeah. what we're talking about. So Hamilton, I, and I'm assuming everything is real and was not invented for the internet. But mm-hmm. like Hamilton released a casting notice that said that they were looking, looking for non-white actors. Right, and then right. A, a lawyer got involved and like on. Facebook and, and saying that it was illegal and that you can't exclude a people based in, exclusively on race to for up to apply to your job. Right. He was saying that from a legal perspective of of I, I mean it's in the non discrimination clauses. You can't say you can't apply for this job if you're African American. Right. You can't play right. Anything, you know. And which is which which he he was in completely in, in, in his right to say. Um, what I think the bigger question was is that Hamilton, the the casting directors were were just simply being honest about what they were looking for, right? You know, and there first of all, there also, by the way, there are Caucasian actors in Hamilton. Oh, yeah, we just had Bessie Strexis last week. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and yeah. and there's a principal part in Hamilton, and Jonathan just got nominated for a Tony for totally. it. You know, right? So it's not that there aren't, but they were explicitly specifically looking for for the for the roles that they were casting at that mm-hmm. point. Um, and the reason why I think it became so sensitive to people of actors of color like myself is that. For once, the tables were turned. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I just turned forty, which has been part of this album as well. You look fantastic, forty. But, but if people do the math too. It's like I was nineteen twenty right, years ago, when I, the King and I. No, no, no. <laughs> um, it's like, oh, you're forty. It's like somehow I'm not magically thirty-two. Right. Um, but I, I say, oh, I mean, I have this age, conversation with my agents all the time. It's like when I look at the next year's shows, I instinctively. When I see a revival happening, I go, ooh, it's a revival. Great. Is it contemporary? Is right. it set in contemporary 
Is it cassette in contemporary times? Is it a period piece? Meaning, is it going to be a like, color black Multi- exa- Or multicultural, whatever. Yeah. And even then, when I'm thinking, oh, it's a, it's a contemporary piece, let me look at the supporting roles. Because even if it's a contemporary piece, the, the vast majority of the time, 99% of the time, producers will not want to hire an ethnic person for the lead role. Really? I mean, it's but look. I mean, when, when unless it's Lucy Liu, yeah, or like Audrey McDonald, or you know, or someone yeah. who is already famous, yeah, yeah, right. And so I've I've been conditioned to think that way because I'm an actor of color. And for once, here is the dragon. Here is the most popular show in Broadway history for yeah. the past twenty years. Everyone wants a piece of it. Everyone wants. Everyone wants to be Eliza. Everyone wants to be Aaron Burr. Everyone wants to be Hamilton. And for once, people like me, pe- people of color, are the first in line. Yeah. And we have not only one or two roles. We have, like, a spreadsheet of roles that if we don't fit into um, Hamilton, maybe we're, we're a Burr. Maybe we're a Washington. Maybe we're an Angelica. Yeah. Maybe we're a Peggy. You know what I mean? So for once, people who are Asian American, Latino American, African American, we have this beautiful, like, filofax of parts that we're like, if I don't fit into one, maybe it's the other. And it's, and it's, it's like... It's like Christmas, yeah. you know what I mean? And and for once, we're celebrating that. And, and to hear anyone complaining that that's happening, really, because like if you look at the rest of the season, there are plenty of other shows, <laughs> right. you know? And, and I got in trouble by, by, by name-dropping specific shows, but if you look at the current season, yeah. there is plenty of opportunity for Caucasian actors for not only principal parts, for but entire companies. Yeah. Entire companies It really are stands out American. now. I mean, my husband really, yeah. I'm, when he will be listening to this, he will be jumping out of his skin because he says mm-hmm. it all the time. He's like, that is the white... I mean, there was so much on Broadway this year that was, was just so white. And, I, and now, I mean, even now, I mean, because also because it's, it's at the forefront of my, of my mind, and I'm thinking about it a lot, when I see a show that is entirely Caucasian, unless it's specifically part of the story, it bothers me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why is, why is there, I mean, in this cast of 30 people, why are there no people of color in yeah, this Yeah, and it really, really, st- it really stands Unless out. you're making a statement like, oh, it's a story about race. It's right. a story about racism. Like, it's a white supremacist story, like, or something like right. that. But yeah. if it's not, then you're making a statement by making it all white. Yeah. That's the statement. That's one of the. That's, it's not the only statement you're making, but it's one of the statements you're making, and 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 I think now, especially because and now we have just the internet age and the media, because the world sees in multiculturalism and the world sees color. When you don't put that on your stage, it's different from what people are used to seeing. Yeah, and so I think um, that's why the whole ha- thing happened with Hamilton. I, I, I name dropped a, some specific shows and, and I, I got into some arguments, but I stand by what I say. Like if you make the, the artistic choice of having a completely Caucasian company, then you have to stand behind it and tell me why. Right. You know, if it has, if, if race has nothing to do with your story, why did you end up with 25 white actors? Right. Yeah, it's a choice. It's yeah. it's a completely a choice. I mean, and in looking back over your career, so like mm-hmm. obviously you were Angel in Rent, mm-hmm. you know, but you have also done all these incredible roles that are about like I think of Here Lies Love, you know, right. or Flower Drum Song, you know, and right. and and King and I, of course, certainly, mm-hmm. which you have come back to, mm-hmm. you know, you have been. In, it really is an interesting thing to see that there are these shows do exist, and you always get mm-hmm. cast as the lead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh God, I mean, I. I, I and someone joked, I mean, because the Asian American community in New York is very small. Like, we, we yeah. all know each other. Like, we're all on speed dial. And uh, thankfully, uh, we've gotten to, thankfully, it's also to when one of us can't do a job, there's this 
constant list of referrals. Like, yeah. If I can't do it, please hire an Asian American actor to do it. I have ten names. Yeah, people you can call. <laughs> and 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 I and I and I'm proud of that. You know, and I think. I think if if we support each other as Asian American actors and we and we challenge directors uh, that when you do a KNI that you don't defer to your most prominent Caucasian actor in your theater company and go oh we need someone of that stature to play the king right like, no there right. are plenty of people to play the king mm-hmm. I mean if anything if if the current revival on Lincoln Center is a bold. Uh, statement to anyone in the last 10 years to say we can't find any asian actors to play the king we've had four in the past year <laughs> six if you include the two our, our two amazing understudies in the company yeah you know so it's like they had four people play the king in the lincoln center revival on broadway and i think the four of us were, were i think amazingly different from each other too like we weren't carbon copies of each right. other um that that just I mean, I, I challenge anyone to, 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 to cast a king and I without an Asian-American king in the future. Do you imagine a world in which that could happen on Broadway now? Like, could no. Th- no, right. No. Okay. You know, I mean, I think it's funny to me. Like, it's, it's not funny, actually. It's actually quite horrible. But uh, to, to, take, to take a look back at, at all the roles that have been done in Yellowface, I mean, it's staggering. And uh, thankfully now, you know, and it's part of that also, that cliche of Asian-Americans just sort of grin and bear it and, you know, we're prejudiced. It's, and it's that stupid stereotype that Asians don't speak up when they're being discriminated against. Right. Um, because it's happened so recently. Do you mean literal yellow face? Yeah. Like, like paint? People have won Oscars playing Asian Americans who are not, you know, in, in, the, in the Manchurian Candidate, what's uh, Linda Hunt. Oh, played right. A, played an Asian man. Yeah. <laughs> okay? Which is amazing. As you know, yeah. if, you were, if, she were, if she were part of an acting company and, you know, they were, they were you know, using prosthetics and stuff. But how many Asian men her age <laughs> that year at the Oscars were like, that could have been my Oscar? What's the one with Mickey Rooney and oh, Breakfast at Tiffany's? Breakfast at Tiffany's. You can't believe Hari it. Go right, Ree. I know, I know. Oh, <laughs> I had never and seen entire it. generations grew up watching that going that's my role model as right. a, as an Asian person you know and my role model as an Asian person growing up was short round and <laughs> and, uh, and data from from yes. the goonies and lo and behold it's the same actor <laughs> right. playing both because there's so many opportunities for young Asian boys on, on that's in film so you know so funny. again it's about having positive role models you know and for the longest time in the 80s when, when I grew up the only Asian role models we had were kung fu masters uh, Chinese delivery boys mm-hmm. and and Long Dong Duck from Sixteen Candles. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> right. So like you had these archetypes of like kung fu master, nerdy asex- asexual guys, or or like comic reliefs mm-hmm. with thick accents. You know, so it, you really begin to think, okay, so it, it kind of like sort of keeps generating in itself. It's like so th- so what if I want to be an actor? Those are the only parts I'm going to play, right? You know, and and I have to say, twenty years ago it was really tough when. When Jonathan Price, you know, got right. cast Miss in Saigon, that, Miss right, Saigon, because because as a Filipino American, I mean, Leia Salonga was was my idol as a child, and and the first photos I saw of the London production where Jonathan they had Asianified his face, they, they they like taped his his eyelids down, which they thankfully did not do in the New York production because when they they brought the two over, they it was just Jonathan's face, right, right. Of course, are the all. politics different here? Do you think it would have been something that would have been harder to get away with? Oh, oh. Yeah. especially. I mean, even then, twenty years ago, that was just so. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's, we've come a long way, and it's because people have spoken up. It's because of people like B.D. Wong and David Henry Wong yeah. at the time really said, "This is not. This is not good enough. This is not good enough." To, I mean, B.D. and had just won his Tony, and it's like, no, we're not going to stand for yellowface, because truth be told, blackface 
has not been allowed and been okay for a very long time. Right. And it's still not. Yeah. Why is it okay to have yellow face? Why is it okay to pretend to be Asian when there are plenty of Asian actors out there who are willing to do the job? Hey, theater people, time for our Today Ticks break. So, you guys, the fall season is just about upon us. And I just counted. There are 17 shows slated to open on Broadway this fall. 17. I'm talking Falsettos, Holiday Inn, Dear Evan Hansen, The Cherry Orchard with Celia Keenan-Bolger. Please do not get me started about Celia Keenan-Bolger. Needless to say, tis the season to download the Today Ticks app from Google Play or the App Store. Just do it right now, you guys. That way, this fall, when you and your friends are sitting at Schmackeries, eating your funfetti, and drinking your hot chocolate, trying to decide what show to see, you can be like, oh my god, oh my god, you guys, let's scroll through the Today Ticks app, which is super easy, it has every show listed, and it has the reviews listed with the shows, and it offers the absolute lowest price. Best part, you can use the discount code THEATERPEOPLE at checkout to save 20 bucks on your first purchase. And when your friends are like, what's that code again? You can be like, oh, it's THEATERPEOPLE, which of course is theater with an E-R-P-P-L. So download the app, use the code, save some cash, see a ton of theater. Today Ticks makes it that simple. You guys, I also want to tell you about my dear friend Sasha. She runs an Etsy shop called Some Other Me. That's all one word. Her shop specializes in upcycled Broadway crafts. The Some Other Me shop is best known for its Playbill flowers, which have been featured at the BCEFA flea market for the last two years and at BroadwayCon, where they sold out in like 25 seconds. Sasha also makes custom canvases and Broadway wallets. Message the shop on Etsy before placing your order and let her know that you heard about the shop on the Theater People podcast and get a free flower with your order. You can also follow her on Instagram to see what these crafts are all about, and you really should because they're so amazing. Her handle is Some Other Me Shop, and that's shop with two P's and an E because she's fancy. Lastly, you guys, just a quick reminder to get your tickets to September's Theater People Live, which is happening September 19th and features Tony winner Daisy Egan. Get your tickets and info at our website. Okay, back to the show. I could talk to you about this Yeah, I me mean too. I, just, I, I always do this. I always... No, but, I mean, this was like my dream for this podcast was to have these kinds of conversations, yeah. which we sort of rarely get to actually do because it's always me, yeah. you know, screaming at Alice Ripley about Sideshow. But, um, <laughs> so I wanted, to, I wanted to pick up something, like a thread that we were just talking about a little okay. bit about how Leah Salonga was your hero, and then mm-hmm. you actually got to work with her Isn't in front of drum song. How was, how was that? Unbelievable. You know, and, 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 and Leah, you know, when, when I... She she was a kid actress in the Philippines. She was our Annie in mm-hmm. the Philippines, and I was born was there. Was she really? Yeah, yeah. And so when when we moved here from the Philippines when I was three, uh, my mom and dad uh, always wanted to make sure my sister and I were connected with with the culture. So we would constantly be given albums and 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 get videotapes of TV shows there. And they have these huge TV shows in the middle of the day that are like five hours long. Wow. You know, called That's Entertainment. and Like one show. No, there were two. Like two warring networks had like <laughs> shows where there, and there was a, a stream, like a, a parade of, of, of kid talent. Oh, wow. Were, like they'd have literally like 25 kids on. And some of them like rose to prominence and some just stayed in the kind of in the background and were like the group. But Leia was one of those stars, you know. And so she had this album called Small Voice. Uh, I am but a small voice. I am but a small dream. And it and my sister and I had that album, and and, and we played it to death, you know. And uh, I remember when they were like the whole audition process of Miss Saigon, and and Leia kept coming up, you know, 
being in the front of the line, right? I think she's going to get it. I think she's going to get it. You were aware of the audition? Oh, yeah. I mean, everyone was talking about this new show because Les Mis was such a huge hit. Right. Like, oh, this new show, and they're going straight to the Philippines to find their star. Wow. and it wasn't just Leia. Uh, uh, Monique was her one of her best friends, and she ended up being her her standby. Right, that's right. And so it was. They got a lot of Filipino talent, uh, and they they moved them to London to be a part of the production. And so you know, I, I so I always had that. And actually, when I was uh, a freshman in in high school, was when Leia won the Tony. You know, wow. and it was one of the first Tony Award telecasts that I actually watched, and. It was so significant to me because I was really active in theater then, and I was getting really good at what I was doing, and I was getting a little confident. I'm like, I want to do this. I, yeah. can, I can sing along to the Les Mis soundtrack as well as the other <laughs> guy, you know? Um, and my goal was to move to New York and be Marius in Les Mis. That oh, was like wow. my, as like, like a lot of young tenors, like, that's what I want to do. I want to be. <laughs> and, um, and then the opportunity came. I, I was what was I doing? I, don't, I had just finished doing a show, and, and they said they. I heard that they had done a workshop, a flower drum song, which I was not a part of. Um, I was doing Martin Gare at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, but then I heard they were auditioning for the LA out of town tryout, and um, I auditioned. And at the final callback, I go in, and there's Leia sitting at the desk with Bobby oh my Longbottom. God. Did you know she was going to be there? I, my agent maybe mentioned he was. She was, but I. I was so in my head of like, and then right before I walk in the door though was her uh, her boyfriend at the time, Mike Lee. Oh, star, you know, Broadway star Mike yeah, Lee, yeah, who's yeah. just in a, in Allegiance. Oh, right, right. And I thought to myself, great, I'm auditioning after her boyfriend <laughs> to play her boyfriend. Right? Did she have like say over the casting? I'm sure. She, I mean, I'm I'm guessing she did yeah. I mean, since she was there, and and and. So my, call, I mean, the callback was with her, like mm-hmm. she was there and she was behind the desk, you know. So I was like, okay, there's chemistry. See what's happening. And I think I, I when I saw Mike, Mike Lilly in the in the in the hallway, I kind of was like, this is never going to happen. I, mm-hmm. you know, you've got you've got your boyfriend here. So I kind of did it with such abandon, I think. And I remember at the end of the big my big song, I grabbed Leigh and I just planted the biggest kiss on her face in the audition. Wow. And um, kind of threw her off. And, and You take a lot of chances. <laughs> I love it. And I think that's how I got the job. And so, I mean, it was, it was and to work with Leia for the, for the two and a half years we worked on Flower Drum Song was, was, was such a, a dream, you know? And I think yeah. it was also a way for me to connect even more with my Filipino culture because she was, and still is, she's still very much a part of the Filipino kind of like entertainment system and she went to do allegiance there i think right no 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 she's gonna go do fun home there oh my god of course that's what yeah, she's yeah, doing. Yeah. oh my god can you imagine seeing right. her in fun home i mean i want to do it with her i want to play michael's part with can her you go I, I mean i'm, I'm not sh- i'm putting it out there <laughs> bobby garcia <laughs> filipino um no it's it's she's she's i mean she's a she's a massive star and 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 so generous with with uh how she she's with all the other filipinos who are here yeah um and it was just great, and to be to always to be able to be associated. Like you know, I, I actually went to work in the Philippines um, after Flower Drum Song closed, and I did an album there. And uh, people would be like, "Who are you?" I'm like, "Jose Lana." They're like, "Hmm." I'm like, "Broadway." Like, hmm. Uh, Leia's partner. Oh, Jose Lana! <laughs> like for the, for so many for so long, the only way they knew me was that I was the guy in all the posters with Leia in that in that show on Broadway. That is so. And, that's, and I am more than happy to be. Yeah, you know that yeah. guy in the poster with Leia Solanga. Um, can we talk about spelling bee? Yeah. It's tradition. 
that the person eliminated from the competition is fair game for derision. Especially the alpha male who will sell goodies at the bake sale. Anyone for brownies, anyone for chocolate chips, anyone for anything that isn't dated. How could I have been eliminated? You wanna know how? You wanna know how? You wanna know why? My unfortunate erection is destroying my perfection. It is my recollection that everything I once did, I did perfectly. Last year's champ defeated because of Marigold Coney Bear. Because there's something and not a thing between us. I don't blame my brain, but I do blame my penis. So we have had, I'm trying to think of who we've had. Uh, we had uh, Celia. Who else did we have? Uh. Lisa, Lisa Howard. Howard, of course. Oh my god! Oh, well, how great was it to see Lisa Howard have like a moment last season, and we're like, everyone got to see just how genius she is. Um, there are still permanent stains on my on my rug at home because I knocked <laughs> over everything on our coffee table when she sang that last note, and oh she's standing in the middle of Carnegie Hall. Like, I know, with her arms spread out, not Carnegie Hall, uh, Radio yeah, City. Yeah, yeah, Radio City. Um, it. It was. I mean, it, it says everything about how close that 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 cast is yeah. and continues to be. Like you guys we, still see each other all the time. I feel like we had our tenth anniversary a year ago. Uh, Jesse had his <laughs> opening at Fully Committed, so we were half of us were there for that. And then about a month ago, we just honored David Stone for the second stage gala. Oh. And so we just, we all dusted off our spelling bee costumes again. Are you serious? So Celia and I kept looking at each other. I was like, when are we going to, like, <laughs> some of us are turning 40 this year. When are we going to be too old to put on these Boy Scout uniforms and pink overalls? And Celia's like, I think that's now. Um, I always say when we had her on the podcast, I couldn't talk because I was so starstruck. Right? I, I just, I, right? I, I always say it. Like, I, I think no. that Celia Keenan Bolger is the biggest star that has ever lived. Mm-hmm. And when I'm around her, which mm-hmm. has been one time in my whole entire life, mm-hmm. I like, I, I, I stammer. I can't talk. And the best part about that is that, yes, she is, but she is also one of the kindest yeah. and smartest people I know. And she's kind of like my taste barometer. Like, <laughs> if Celia likes it, I need to either go see it, and I'm sure I'm going to like it myself. So, Spelling Bee, were you a part of the original Cafetorium production? I was not. You no. were. And so here's the thing. Like, so I they did it all. They did it these. They did numerous, numerous workshops, and they took it up to Barrington stage. And the character my, that ended up being Chip Tolentino was named Trip Barrington. Are you serious? Barrington stage. Yeah. And uh, played by the incredible Rob Sapp. Up oh there. my God, I know Rob Sapp. Yeah. Um, and so I, I'd heard about it. I, at this point, I was actually in the Philippines doing my album stuff over there and having a terrible, terrible time. And I, I called my agent from the Philippines and, and he was like, uh, Tara Rubin's been calling and Second Stage is doing this show with Bill Finn and you need to come back and audition for this. Uh, they, they want people with improv abilities. And oh, like, interesting. And what I loved about it is that I had never been allowed to do comedy on, on, in New York yet. Like I'd only done really serious parts and I was really dying to do something funny and to use the improv skills that I had done in high school. And, and, and so I, when I auditioned for it, it was hilarious. I had literally had flown in from the Philippines the night before and my audition at second stage was oh the God. next day. How long is that flight? It's like 17 hours. Oh my God. Yeah. But I was just so happy to be back in New York. Yeah. You know, I hadn't, I hadn't been in New York in like six months and, um, I remember the the, the audition. Uh, I was gonna sing <laughs> games I play from 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 falsettos, uh-huh. but I was like, as a little boy, <laughs> thank God, because it would have been a crash and burn. And thank God they they didn't 
let me sing that. They're like, can just sing the erection song. Yeah. Is what um, and they gave us three words to spell in our character or something, if I can remember. And, and wow, I, I was bold. I, I was, I did something really crass and, and dirty. Like I had my hands in my pants and <laughs> literally like having fun with myself while I was spelling my word and it was just like it was completely R-rated but I'm like I don't know maybe, maybe this will work you know have and, you ever had a safe audition I mean <laughs> even my rent audition when I when I booked Angel I like jumped up on the table and I threw their papers in the air which is not something you want to do all the time right, right. you know it's, it's in the moment in the moment you know god I'm hearing like some of my theater students going well Jose did it I'm gonna yeah. do it too I'm like no not all the time um but what I loved, though, is that I was checked up on. Like, uh, David Henry Wong called me, uh, and he was like, so James Lapine is uh, calling to see, you know. Are you I mean, kidding? Which is awesome. Like, I, I'm all for it. Like, yeah, if you, yeah, yeah. If you're, if you're someone who's worked with good people, you and, and it's good that people check up on you. Yeah. You know, because the to going from Barrington stage to Spelling Bee, uh, to uh, second stage, James and I were the only two new people because they brought James on as the new director. Oh, wow. And he basically kept the entire company and added me onto it. So we were the only really new, two new energies in the room. They had all been working together. How know? did they... Would, did it take long for you to get... No, not at all. I mean, and also, in. too, I, my character, which and I ended up naming Chip, and Tolentino is my, my a family name. Oh, you, know? you named your own character? Which is so generous of Bill and wow. Rachel. And, and it was awesome. I was able to name my character. And um, he, was, he is a bit of an outsider to begin with anyway, because he's last year's champ. So everyone kind of looks at him right. kind of like, you know, right. Hawkeye. <laughs> and, uh, but that, that task got so close so fast um, and I knew Jesse already coming in because we did on the town together. Oh, right, of course, Park. of course, yeah. And and so we we just got so close, and and the the journey from off Broadway to Broadway, and then we most of us did LA together. It's just it's the silliest, most talented group of kind people, and we all are so we we act like siblings because we're so uh-huh. competitive, but we're also so supportive of each other. Like the second one of us has anything of consequence. We're all on social media, like, oh my god, so and so and so and so, and it's and it's so nice, and there's no ego, and that's what I think. We were also proud when we got the drama desk for best ensemble because yeah. we we were truly an ensemble, even though in in, you know, in our hearts, Celia and 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 Dan were kind of our like romantic leads because yeah. they were the last two spellers, and um, but it was a true ensemble show, and uh, and and some of my best friends I've ever made in the theater. God. Yeah. Well, I wanted to end by talking about you are going to Barrington this summer. Mm-hmm. And I was just reading about this on your website. You're doing yeah. a show called Poster Boy. Poster Boy. Which is about the Tyler Clemente case. Yeah. Which for people who don't remember, so he was the kid that was like this. He was like cyberbullied in college. Mm-hmm. Um, At Rutgers he, University. Right. He like made out with a, he had kissed another boy and his roommate. He was having a date in his dorm room and his, and his roommate uh, knew about it. And so he had set his webcam on. And he went to another room, and he social and he social mediaed about it, and said, right. hey, "If you want to see a show, tune into my website. Tune into my webcam." And he broadcast Tyler and his date having their date. And, yeah, and and unfortunately, because he was so humiliated, he he killed himself. Yeah. he threw himself off the George Washington Bridge. Yeah. So this this musical, which um, is beautiful, um, it it it's about that, but it it takes. It takes a. It takes a. It, Tyler has lived lived a lot of his life online, like, and a lot of that. A lot of his words are taken directly from the chat rooms that he was that he frequented, um, and he 
and and the roommates too, like because they're all young college kids, and yeah. so a lot of their lives are 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 literally on record in tweets and in social media. Oh, right, and that played a part of like the trial. Huge. I remember, like yeah. it was all this like doubt. They downloaded tons and tons of pages of of proof that that, that this that cyberbullying was happening. Um, what what Joe Trace and and uh, and Stafford Rima and Craig Cornelia have done is that they've taken that story and almost everything that. The, the real characters, the, the true characters say in the show are taken almost directly from those transcripts. Wow. And what they've done is they've created four fictional characters who are um, the, the four gay men that Tyler met in a chat room. And are they they're, – they're made up though? They're all fictional. Okay, They're all got fictional. It. But what we as the four men in the room do is – Ask the question: Was there something we could have done to stop the suicide? Oh my God, I'm gonna stop. And it's beautiful, and yeah. it's you know, and it's and, and it's a it says a lot about you know contemporary gay culture. It says a lot about contemporary social media culture. How um, one word on on social media and it and it and it proliferates and, yeah. and, and people talk and how it even though you're in a room in a virtual room with people talking. Uh, the loneliness of what that feels like. Yeah, is that you you feel like you're connecting with people, but you're really sitting in your your room by yourself with your laptop, and there's no consequence from that. And so, that's that's kind of what the show is about. And the music is stunning. We actually just did a one week workshop here in New York last week. Um, David Mefford, Danny Mefford, pardon me, is is our choreographer, and oh, we wow. had kind of like a movement class and see what see what the language of the piece is. Um, and it's really exciting. And we're going to go up to Williamstown and uh, put it on its feet for the first time. Unbelievable. Yeah. Are there any plans do you, at this point for it to go beyond that? Um, I've, I've heard whispers. Yeah. Um, it, uh, actually, uh, Oscar Eustace uh, spoke about the piece um, a lot. He's been shepherding it. He's been giving a lot of advice about uh, its, its, its shape and structure. And um, Is he who still knows? the artistic director at the public? Yeah. He yeah, is. Yeah, okay. He's still there. Um, who knows? Who knows? I mean, I've, I've heard things that obviously are not public knowledge, but, um, uh, I'm, I'm very confident like, cause it's, you know, you can say, I just think it's good. Yeah. I think it's really good. It's got, it's good. It's a good piece. It's got great people involved in it. Um, and, uh, they want to really do honor to Tyler, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and tell his story in a sensitive way that can maybe help other people who have, thought about committing suicide yeah that i mean and and, and cyberbullying is happening every day yeah every every day and because there's no because because the power of the of the of the keypad is is so universal anyone can say what they want and then walk away and not worry about what that's going to do right so i don't know it's an important piece and it's a lot of fun people that are going to head up to williamstown to do it that's amazing last okay. question mm-hmm. um if you were to give a piece of advice to somebody who wanted to do what you're doing somebody who maybe is an actor or somebody who who wants a career similar to yours what is some advice that you would give well i mean you hear this all the time from other theater teachers you know be yourself no one can be you um i think i spent a lot of the earlier part of my career trying to sound like cole wilkinson <laughs> and and, uh, and terrence mann in the lame is you know soundtrack um i think if you nurture exactly who you are which um, which is obviously very hard when you're young yeah uh, but a way to do that is to try to see everything you can and even now now even more so when i was when 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 i was get starting out 20 years ago so much is available for free on YouTube and on, yeah. and on on the internet. See an opera if you've never seen one. See as many dance recitals as you can, and and start forming your taste. Like maybe you're an R and H guy. Maybe you're a Sondheim guy. Like not yeah. everyone has to like Sondheim, right? <laughs> maybe you're that theater actor who hates Sondheim. You know, but own that. Own own that. Maybe you like rock music. Maybe you like R and B music. But if you start forming your 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 taste. 
at an early age, it only help you become a better performer. And and that's I think a lesson I learned later than I wanted to. Yeah, I think. Yeah, Jose Lana, this has been the most incredible conversation. Oh, thanks very much. Yeah, it's so nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. When I was a boy, world was better spot. What was so was so. What was not was not. Hey, theater people, just one last reminder to get your tickets to our live show with Tony winner Daisy Egan. The show is happening on Monday, July 19th at 7 p.m. Tickets are $12, and you can get them at our website, which is www.theaterpeople.com, and click on Daisy's picture. Theater People is a product of Theater Podcast Productions and is produced by Mike Jensen and me, Patrick Hines. Mike edited this episode. Special thanks to our sponsor, Today Ticks. Download their app in Google Play or the App Store and use the code theaterpeople at check out to save 20 bucks on your first purchase. That code again is theater people, which of course is theater with an E-R-P-P-L. Special thanks also to Steve Tipton, Bradley Bean, Eric Emsch, Keith Allen Herzog, Ricky Condos, Ellen Marsh, and the staff at Oswald's. We'll be back in one week with Hamilton director and my old friend, Tommy Kale. That's right, you guys. I know some fancy people with great hair. Until then, tell your friends about us. Let's get the theater community talking. A victory that for every single tear she shed, there'd be a victory who's holding aces and who's gonna fold.